Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Thursday, June 4th. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Hey, welcome to a new episode Stuck at Home with myself, Cliff Dorfman, and Jason Smith. Jason, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Another day. Another day. Another day, and we get to get right into it again. Oh, really? Is our guest here? Yeah, she just got on. Uh, oh, that's great. Okay, so should we just jump in, and then and we only have her for a while, and then we'll go to BSing a little about some stuff. Yeah, but I, I, I can't believe she's here. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I've been, uh, I've been watching some of her old specials. I'm getting excited for tomorrow. So uh, would you like to do the honors? Uh, yes, I would, actually. So she's made appearances on Comedy Central Live at Gotham. She's been on Ease Chelsea lately. Uh, she's been on The View. She's been on like Late Night with Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, she's also been an actor on Kevin Can Wait on CBS, on The Connors. And she holds the distinction of the first and only Latino winner of NBC's Stand Up for Diversity Showcase, her new special the floor is lava on Amazon right now. You should watch it immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, Gina Brion. Hello. And the crowd hey. goes Yeah, right? <laughs> They're the virtual crowd is going nuts. How are you, Gina? How's everything over there? You're, you're in the Bronx or Astoria? I'm in Queens right now, yeah. Um, I miss my old hood, but Astoria is nice and chill. Do you miss your old hood? I do. I do miss uh-huh. my old hood, man. I have good memories of the of the Bronx where I lived, you know. Good memories of my childhood. Not always what was it easiest, called? The, but you know. No, that I want to get into that, but it was yeah. a sound, sound view? Yeah, from the Soundview area. I'm way out in Soundview. Like, if you know the Bronx and I say, like, class and point, people are like, oh, like Harding Park area. Like, I'm at the butt crack end of the Bronx. By Hunts, by Hunts Point? By, uh, no, Harding Park and Class and oh. Point. Class and Point is where they have the water taxi now that takes you from the Bronx to Manhattan. Oh, wow. Which is okay. super bougie. <laughs> well, it's like now it's the new Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little better than Staten Island. <laughs> no, no, of course it is. That's what I'm saying. It, something had to be, you know, the new Staten Island. All right, so let's talk about this. You have this yeah. special dropping, but I want to go back a little bit, right? So you, you're you're raised in the Bronx in the Soundview mm-hmm. area, and you have a big family? Um, pretty big. I mean, I have uh, four siblings. There's five of us all together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, uh, two older brothers and two sisters, one twin sister, I have an identical twin sister and, uh, an older sister. So there's, there's five oh, of us, rambunctious Brion's. You have an identical twin sister. What's her name? Yes, I do. Her name is Debbie. And, so uh, how do I know I'm not talking to Debbie right now? You don't. Right. I mean, this is like, <laughs> does she know your act? Is she like an, under, like, does she, how does this work? You know what? She could probably do a pretty damn decent impersonation of me at this point. Like she really could. <laughs> I believe in her. I believe she could. This is fantastic. So you grew up all in the same uh, age range, right? Yeah, totally. Um, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a sip of water. Yeah, get um, some water. We're real casual here. Um, not really the same. Like, my older brothers and sisters are, like, 10 years, uh, 12 years, like, 14 years old, older than me. Um, there's a couple years between us, but because I had my twin sister, I always had a permanent friend like always had like my my permanent friend was always with me so that was nice that's one very big plus about being a twin well would you say that part of that kept you guys out of trouble and on this different path yeah that and my parents like my parents were just super smart with like how they talked to us specifically about making sure that we stay in line like you know there were you know they're latino parents so you know they would grip us up if we did something wrong where it was like no you're not you're not gonna act like that and so we learned quickly, you know, like proper behavior, at least what my parents deemed as proper behavior. So we were all pretty good kids. Right. Until your uh, inner gangster comes out. But we'll talk about yes. that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about that, which I love. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great piece of the act. And I, I, I watched it from your previous special uh, start to meld into what you've built into this, you know, amazing thing you have right now. Let's jump to that for a second, because well, we can you. talk about all the stuff from childhood, which yeah. we will go back to. Tell us a little about the special and uh, how you um, really came upon this whole new hour. The special itself, um, man, it was it was a lot of work. It's only a, a labor of love. Like, 
it was the crazy thing about it is that it was five months in the making because I was working in between projects. I had five months to write an hour special to work out an hour special and then to film an hour special, which is nuts. And it's a challenge I will never take on again, but wow. <laughs> this time it, was, it was definitely worth it. And, um, building the special was just probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done just because of the time crunch, but also one of the most rewarding, like where it was just, we talked about my childhood. I got, I got to just really delve into things that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And I think as you progress as a comic, you dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's yes. why so it gets so much richer. I feel like the more you progress as a comedian. Yeah, the texture is, is all there, and it also gives a, a very uh, interesting and amazing glean into a completely different perspective that I would have no idea about. And now I feel much more educated. And plus, you have the best of both worlds, right? Your husband is from the Midwest, is that? Yeah, I'm learning yeah. a lot about Midwest culture, too, now, which <laughs> yeah, what is very up? different. <laughs> very different. You to keep your feelings bottled up. Oh, yeah, I'm picking up the subtle art of oppression, for sure. <laughs> Uh, that's definitely yes. something I'm picking up, but we've learned a lot from each other, which has been a great experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and just, it's very interesting coming from two different worlds, like two different upbringings, two different worlds, and then trying to meet and be on the same page about certain things where it's like, there has to be some compromise here and there. Well, how'd you guys meet? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not like, a, um, he's not a comedian, right? No, he's a musician though. And, okay. um, we met on a cruise ship. Really? I was Princess uh, cruise ship. Uh, well, it was a Norwegian cruise ship, and I was working on the ship, and he was working on the ship, and I had a crush on him immediately. Like the first night, the first day I saw him, I was like, "Oh my god!" So on that guy, and then you know, I did what every smart woman does. I did recon uh, <laughs> as soon as I found his. Is that what you guys name. do? Oh yeah, as soon as I found out his full name, I did a. Uh, I launched a cyber investigation, and like just. I went into it and I was like, I'm going to find out everything about this dude. And and then we started kind of like, you know, he, he didn't flirt with me, which I was trying so hard to get him to flirt with me. And he just would just not wouldn't. flirt with me. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, this guy just doesn't like me. I'm like, maybe I'm just not his type. And then one day he came to a show and after the show, he came up to me and it was his night off. And he was like, I never got to see you perform before. And, and I think you're so funny and you're the most beautiful, beautiful female comedian I've ever seen. And I was like, that's very specific, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, you're the best new show on Tuesday nights on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, the that's best girl in a maroon shirt I've seen today. <laughs> on the Norwegian cruise line. <laughs> it was, and then we just started talking and it was just, we became inseparable after that. Yeah. You got to take a minute though. Cause you're locked on a ship. So, you know, yeah. And he was playing in a band. Crazies, yeah. There's some crazies, so I don't blame him for being cautious. Listen, you know, well, like I said, we're going to get to your inner gangster, but I, I yeah. think it's interesting that you worked out. So you were on a cruise ship for how long doing this? Uh, just honing your skills. And so funny it was my. The, it was the first time I was working a cruise ship for like a long, an extended period. I had done a cruise ship before for like a week, and what's extended? Um, about a month. It was about a month. And that for a comedy contract is pretty long. Um, you do outfit every night. Yeah, essentially. And I packed them off. Yeah. <laughs> I packed them off. <laughs> that's, 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 all right, go on. <laughs> it was, it was an interesting experience because I wasn't used to, um, I'm not a super social person. So like I wasn't mm -hmm. used to being in that much solitude and not being a super social person. So it was like, right. I had cabin fever real quick. And I just kind of built a schedule where it was like, I would get up and I would go to the gym for like, you know, over an hour and then I would go and write. And then I would walk around the ship for a little while and then I'd go back to my cabin and then I'd get ready to perform. And like, you just had to build a schedule. Right. Are you pulling new material from your, your daily routine on the ship? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when I'm writing, it's either about stuff I'm dealing with on the ship or stuff that I just want to write about in that moment where I'm like, I just want to write about this and I have the time now to dedicate to it. So I might as well dedicate this time that I have since I have so many hours before I have to perform. And so right. that helped well, a lot. Well, what I'm interested about with this is because it's it's like, you know, you're on the Broadway of the seas, right? You're, you're in Norwegian cruise line. Yeah. And, but what you have is people who don't know the comedians. They're not necessarily your fans. So you every night have to win over a crowd that doesn't have any idea who you are. How, how are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They want to eat. They don't care who you are. Half the time they're, they're, I mean, they're getting in for free. 
Yeah, they won. Um, they, they thought it was the buffet. Exactly. But now, but now you got to win them over. Now you got to win them over. Now you got to win them over. You got to win them over every night. And with mm-hmm. comedy on cruise ships, the sort of thing that's really challenging is you get a lot of repeat customers. So people will continue to come to shows because in their mind, if I go to the dance show, it's going to be the same dance show. But if I go to the comedy show, there's a chance okay. it might be different. And right. so I want to go again because I really had a fun time the last time. But then they go again and you're like, no, this is actually a repeat show. This is still the family friendly show from earlier that you came to. <laughs> yeah. You're going to see the same thing again. It's not changing. It's like it's like Broadway. It's the same thing. It's like the show doesn't change. Okay, so let me go back a second because you you I, I read something interesting about you that you you weren't doing comedy at all, and then about seventeen, it was your mom and your grandma who said you're hysterical. And before yeah. you answer, let me just ask because I I want to know is everyone in your family safe and well during everything that's yes. going on? Thank God. Yes, everybody's safe and well. Thank My God. parents are in uh, they're they're far out in Maryland now, and um, great. You know, everybody else is, we're kind of all over the place, but in thankfully good neighborhoods and like, you know, the safer neighborhoods um, with everything that's going on between the pandemic and everything else. So I'm yes. glad everybody's safe. Yes, that's what I wanted to make sure. So, so yeah. tell us, so your grandma and your mom were like, yo, you're funny. You know, when I was like, there's little, a thing here. Yeah. When I was little, I used to always love to make my parents laugh. Like I could, I couldn't see anybody upset when I was little. I had to make them laugh. I was like, I couldn't see anybody cry or be angry or whatever. I just had to make them laugh. And then with my grandmother, my grandmother didn't speak a lot of English. My grandmother spoke very limited English. She was from the island of Puerto Rico. And so she learned her English from watching TV. And so she, all her English, she learned from like, I love Lucy and like shows like that. But she would limit her English because she was very self-conscious about how her English came out, which a lot of people go through when the English yeah. is not their first language. So with me, I would do anything to make my grandmother laugh. If that meant put on a funny makeup and a wig and just act stupid, like I would do anything to make her laugh. And she was my first audience member, technically. And, and she lived with you guys, right? Yeah, she did. She lived, uh, she lived with us up until she passed, which is the traditional story for Latinos. Like we... We don't put it's people in really homes. Beautiful, right? But it's, yeah, it's we beautiful. Just, I gotta it's say, very rare. Yeah, it's very rare that we'll put any uh, any of our elderly in a home. We feel like it's our responsibility to take care of them. Uh, and so she was with us up until eighty five. I think she passed around eighty five. Um, oh, thank you. It was it was one of those things where I was she she passed away the year before I started comedy. And she was the one that was always like, "Your daughter's gonna be on TV." I'm telling you, she's gonna be on TV. She would oh, tell she my didn't mom get to that. See any of it. Yeah. I get to see it. So that was the hard part because it was like that very next year. I was like, oh, I wish she could have. I wish she could have just seen me. And I wasn't on TV, but I wish she could have known. You know, that first year was just she me knows. going. Yeah. That was just me she going knows. to comedy clubs and comedy clubs and not giving up. But I think if she would have known, she would have thought I was insane. But <laughs> <laughs> she would have been like, you know, I knew, I knew she was crazy from jump. Right. Um, my mom was always very supportive. So, like, uh, the day of my high school graduation, I was probably 17, maybe ready to turn 18-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had entered me and my twin sister in a stand-up comedy contest called The Funniest Person from the Bronx. And <laughs> it was held at Stand Up New York. So I, I a lot remember of competition? This. A lot of competition for that? What? <laughs> it's a lot of funny Bronx comics there. So I would think there would be. <laughs> you know? And it was, you know, I think me and my twin sister won third place. And I always tell people, I think that's because they couldn't tell the difference. I clearly <laughs> won. Uh, I clearly won third place. <laughs> right, it wasn't your sister. And then I had a great set, and then they brought me back for the callbacks, and I bombed horrifically. Like it oh, was first bomb. First bomb was my second time on stage. It was. Oh, awful. What was that like? What was that like? Oh, Seventeen. I, Everyone's there. Your whole family, right? I cried. <laughs> I got off that stage and I cried <laughs> like the little baby I was. And I was like, I'm never going to do this again, which I said after every bad show, every bad show. I was so young when I started comedy that like after every bad show, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> and then of course I did it again. Like the next night, the next night up I was on like, the stage, Jones in to get on stage, like a little comedy crackhead. Well, so, it's an addiction, right? I mean, you were oh, doing totally. 14 shows a week. I, I heard when correct? I started, yeah, I was doing 14 shows a week. Cause I would do two to three shows a night, as many mm-hmm. shows as I could a night, whether they were crappy bar gigs or catering halls or, um, in the beginning, there was a couple Weirdest of clubs. Place. 
yeah, like couple clubs or a couple people had backroom comedy clubs that I would go and I would do those. I would hand out flyers to get on stage. So I did anything to get on stage and I was getting on stage so much. And it was so essential at that time. Whenever I meet a newer comic and they ask me advice, I'm always like, get on stage as much as humanly possible in as many venues as humanly possible, because it will teach you to navigate around any situation. I did catering halls. I did um, firehouses. I did a wedding. I did a birthday party. I did so, I've done so many different types What's of What's the venues. weirdest one you've done? The weirdest venue? The weirdest venue? Yeah. Um, man, I'm trying to think. What was the weirdest one? Okay, we'll okay, get back. Outside. Okay, it was outside. I was doing, <laughs> there was a marathon bike ride. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to perform. And so the stage was outside, but it was outside right where the people come in once they finished like the race. It was right at the finish line. So nobody cared that I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, every time I would just go into a story, they'd start cheering for the people that were riding in. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I know that's not for me. They don't care that I'm up here. That was the weirdest one where I was just like, this is pointless. I'm literally talking to no one at this point. No one cares. Right. You, just, you got tough skin now. Oh yeah. You that's just barrel it through it. You just barrel through it and you're like, when am I done? All right. All right. right. I'm done now. I can get off stage. Great. Right. And so you go back to, for a second to your, to your upbringing. I, I, I thought I read something about, did you have a bully or something that you ended up I like? When I was in junior high school, some of the places get it wrong and they say high school. When I was in junior high school, I didn't I really have asked. bullies. Junior high school, I had had made friends with the female bully because she thought I was really funny. And Mm. she kept the male bully from teasing me anymore because she defended her friend. Like, I was her friend now. I was was her little chuckle queen. And so (laughs) she decided that I was valuable. (laughs) Then that's what saved my butt in junior high school. I made the female bully laugh, so she kept me around. And when the male bully was picking on me, she just, she went up to him and he was afraid of her. She was tough, man. I was afraid of her. Chuckle Queen. Is that your street name? Yeah, that would be my tag name if I was like, Chuckle Queen. Yeah, all right. All right, you're the jester. Listen, I was the same way. Believe me, I didn't want to fight. So I got, I made the tough kids laugh and made them a little money. I was like, how do I do this? Because I don't want to fight these guys. Like, I don't really want to fight. I don't want to get You'll fight, though. You know, you'll fight. This is what we've heard in your show now. We've heard, like, you have to stop yourself. I have a mouth on me. I have a mouth on me, and I will stop myself from fighting. But, like, when I was in junior high school, like, When you're dealing with a bully, like there was me who I'll fight, but I don't want to fight. And then there was the bully who was like, I'll fight. And I always want to fight. Like, I was like, I don't want to fight her at all. (laughs) (laughs) She looks ready. She looks really ready. Like she's doing one arm pushups before the fight. Like I am not prepared for the fight. Rocky pushups. All right. So you get out of the situation, but you also find a way that comedy is not only bringing your family closer, but it's making your life more tolerable growing up in this area. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we would make jokes all the time about, you know, stuff that would go on in the neighborhood or, you know, just, just, just how we survived. I, feel, I just feel like people that, you know, come from places like the Bronx, especially when it was really bad, mm-hmm. you built up a thick skin, you built up a good sense of humor because honestly, humor is so healing that I feel like that's how a lot of people deal with tough situations. You have the darkest sense of humor when you grow up in a tough situation. Yeah, I mean, you ever listen to any of that Ricky Gervais stuff? Like, he's the yep. with his family. He doesn't mess. Like, his mom's funeral, they all have yeah. these jokes going. He does not mess around. So well, I, I get it. The, the, all you comedians, you're the darkest people I know. Yeah, we some dark twisted <laughs> people. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't come from nowhere. But but here's the thing. Now, you're in the Bronx. You're, you're a, a, a Latina female in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all intents and purposes, right? What voice? You not only yeah. go from being the first Latina to win, right? And, and yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Like, Yeah, that thing really, but I mean, that has surprised me. And right. It surprised you that you won? The year that like I that. won. Um, yeah, stand up for a diversity showcase. Yeah. The year that I won, uh, I, me and John Laster, a buddy of mine, won together. We both won. And they couldn't decide between us. And it was so funny because at the end of the the final showcase like i was looking at john like yo you got this and he's looking at me like nah you got this <laughs> and we're both looking at each other like no 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 no, you got this and then we both got the phone call and it just kind of blew my mind that it had even happened like i never i was never very good at competitions i'm not a competitive person mm-hmm. so i wasn't even going to do it that year and i was convinced to do it i was convinced by somebody else to actually 
you know, this is what I tell people when they do comedy competitions. I'm like, if you don't win the first time around, don't get discouraged. This was like my third or fourth time doing this competition, knowing that I'm not a competitive person, that I actually really hate competition. Are you really? I mean, wait, you got two brothers and two sisters. Are you middle child? No, no. Oh, no, you, have the, you and your twin, right? Are the yeah, youngest? we're the youngest. Okay. Okay, but um, I mean, how you don't want any competition. I mean, you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't like competition to some, uh, you know, some degree. I'm just not a competitive <laughs> person. I'm more like the eternal hippie where I'm like, there's enough for everybody. Right, I, I don't want to compete with any of you. I love you all. <laughs> like, I'm just not, I'm not that cutthroat competitor. So I always figured the only reason I did comedy competitions was because I was told it was the smart thing to do in the industry to get seen by people. So whenever I did one, you know, I remember the first year of Last Comic Standing, um, they were trying to bait me to get one of those clips and they kept mm-hmm. trying to bait me. And like, <laughs> cause I, um, I didn't get past to the second round and I'm on stage and, and I had waited all night and I, I guess they thought I would be really agitated cause I had waited all night to get on stage. I slept outside, everything, the full whole nine yards. Slept outside, and, huh? Oh yeah. On, on the streets of New York. <laughs> and they were like, well, yeah, we're not going to pass you on to the next round. And, and I went to walk off stage and they were like, wait, 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 wait. how does that make you feel? And I was like, I just, I want to, I'm hungry. Like I want to go. <laughs> I did my job. I came here. You're not gonna pass me. Like I just wanna, I'm gonna go try to get an egg, egg and cheese sandwich right now. I'm just wanna go. And they were like, "You're not angry about this?" And I'm like, mm, "I'm good. I'm gonna. This is kind of ridiculous. I'm gonna go." You just said I'm out, right? Like, yeah, you said I'm out, so I can leave, right? Do we still have a thing. <laughs> do we still have to do this? Do we yeah. still have to, But we you learn. You again. Yeah. You're learning and you're building. But it's also, you know. Again, I go back to this and winning this, you know, specifically the diversity uh, showcase. Now you have a voice, you know, at least. And I always love talking on our show about how we relate what's happening in art and in our artistic society and how it trickles down or builds up to what we're going through. Right. So it's a long way. Right. Now you have a voice, but you don't have a living yet. Yeah. I don't have a living yet. So my determination, like at that point in my career, obviously I was working several jobs. I worked so many jobs. I mean, I had a couple waitressing jobs. I was a barista for five years. I I did temp work. I did babysitting. I worked at a cell phone store. Like I did everything during the day so that I could have my nights free so that I could do comedy. And I knew that at that point in my career, I'm like the most important thing for me right now is and I was I was always really good at staying in my lane in terms of like how much experience do I have right now should I even be getting paid should I be fighting with these people to pay me when I'm still a novice I'm still mm-hmm. learning how to be myself on stage how to what material I want to do how to really speak to what I want my voice to be and I just so wanted you, to learn you looked at it like university yeah. This is your university. Exactly. You're going to watch all the great comics. You're going to see everyone's act. You're going to dissect it. And is that what you did? Absolutely. I, when I wasn't performing, I was watching comedy. I would go to comedy clubs and I would sit in the back and I would talk to the other comics and I would see how I would watch their self-control on stage. I would see how they handle hecklers. I would, I would just watch and be fascinated by the entire world. I would see somebody. Every time I saw a comic do bad, it made me cringe. It did not matter. Like I, mm. I just... It, I went back to my childhood where I just couldn't see somebody going through something. And I was like, oh, God, no, not this. This person just wants to bring you laughter. Like, why are you guys being such douchebags about this? <laughs> you and, paid to be here yeah. to <laughs> laugh. I think it was a, a couple of, uh, there was a good buddy of mine who had a really great line, Mike DiStefano. He, um, he used to say, like, you're paying to see me because you don't have funny friends. <laughs> <laughs> it always made me laugh because it was like, yeah, you guys are paying to the, like your lives essentially suck. Laugh at this. Like, <laughs> laugh why they didn't get, get me to pay for it? You know what? Mike's right. It's why I had friends. Yeah. We were all a bunch of Jews from Long Island. It's like that's it. You know, I, you had a hilarious smart. friend, and you could just sit at home with your yes. hilarious friend. That's why I never uh, pay. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> but it was always I appreciate that. I love okay. watching comedy and I still to this day will sit down and watch special after special. I still love comedy so much. Yeah, you're a fan as oh, well as a consumer. A yeah. So now, do you remember 
the first time you realize, like, it seems like you knew in your mind you were always going to make a living and this was going to be your profession. But do you remember the first time you, you, it really happened where you're like, okay, this is now. Oh, totally. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was, tell tell us. uh, I tell the story in the special in more detail, but essentially it was Brett Butler. I was watching comedy. Uh, I was watching her special Brett Butler sold out. I remember this Mm -hmm. so vividly. Um, and I was just, I, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Like I was glued to her special because I had never seen anything like it before. I had never seen a woman controlling a room full of people with just her wit and her intellect. And huh. at, it was, I was about 14 years old and I'm glued to the TV. Just, I could not take my eyes off of her and I'm laughing along with her and I'm getting all of her sarcasm. I'm getting all of her jokes at 14. And cause I had listened to so much comedy. Once my parents realized I was a comedy fan, like, you know, they, they were fine with letting me listen to comedy, you know? And, but when I reported it, when I saw her, I was just like, hold up. Anytime I had seen a woman on TV, especially on Latino television, you know, which I grew up watching both American TV and Latino TV. So when I would watch it, all you would see on Latino TV was women either scantily clad or legit dressed like clowns. Those were the two sides you got. It was like, really? there was no in the middle of like, oh, she's a really intelligent, well-spoken, funny. No, it was one or the other. It was like, you're either a, in a hoochie dress and dancing or you're legitimately clown makeup, shoes, everything. So here's this woman and I'm just looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, she's smart and funny and beautiful and she doesn't have to dress in a a skin tight dress and she doesn't have to dress like a clown. She can just be herself. And immediately I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want to do that for the rest of my life. (laughs) I knew it right in that moment. I was like, I want to be that. That's what I'm going to be. I was consumed with the thought. See, and this is what I'm talking about because someone who decided to go after this career influenced you. And now you're on stage, you win this diversity showcase. Now it's your place. You're going through this cycle, very, very hard cycle. And now let's fast forward, right? So that moment when you're a kid, you know, I'm gonna do that. Let's, Let's fast forward to the moment where you know that you don't have, we can quit all your other jobs. Was that a moment you can remember? Where you're like, I'm just now doing comedy. Or did you have to let him go real slow? Like, what if this doesn't work out? I think I was so scared. I let him go all real slow. Like, I think I left, um, I left the barista job cause I had left briefly and like came back. Cause I was like, oh, sorry, I wasn't ready yet. Um, <laughs> but like after like, like, fine, it's okay. They're like, it's cool. We were holding your spot. We didn't think you were going to make it. Uh, and so like I came back and like after five years there, like I left, I sort of like, that was the hardest job to let go of because I had built such a family at that little mm-hmm. cafe and they were so supportive of everything I did, but it was, was, it was really sad. Um, it was cafe. Pick me up was the name of the cafe and okay. it was down in the East village. It's no longer there anymore, but it was owned by this um, Sicilian guy named Clemente. And he was like my dad, like he treated me like his daughter. And so like, it was so hard to say goodbye to that place. Cause I was like, that, that was my work family, but they were so, they believed in me way more than I even did. They were like, no, you gotta do this. Like you, like they would come to your shows and stuff. Oh yeah. They would come to my shows. I had a, there mm-hmm. was, I made my first German friend. Her name was Ilka and she would come see me at shows and she would come hang out with me and she'd be like, you know, German people are very honest. She was like, that show wasn't as good as your last one. So like, I, I don't like that show. As I much. don't like it. <laughs> Not um, as good. But uh, I made such kind a great Russian. family. Yeah, I have a terrible German accent. Please yeah, don't I, Germans get offended. Yeah, I, please, no one get offended yeah, for me. Everything I say is Russian. It just sounds weird <laughs> Russian. Sorry. Go once ahead. I, once I let go of those jobs, I mean, mm-hmm. it was still like, I mean, that was even harder work, like letting go of a stable paycheck and just, you know, sort of being like, because I wasn't really working the road where you make most of your money. My thing was like, I would go from comedy club to comedy club night after night after night, making $25 here, $50 there. And and I just had to bust my hump. If I did a gig on the road, sometimes it would pay a hundred or 150. And that was big money. That was big money for me. And so I just, it was nonstop work. And I had to accept the fact that if I'm going to give up my day job, this is going to be nonstop work. This is not a job. Yeah. I can't take a Monday night or a Tuesday night off because it's only $20. That That's $20 was my Metro card for the week. You know what I mean? So it, everything meant something to me. 
Like I never took it for granted at any stage in my career. I knew how important it was to get out there and work. So you're driving your husband crazy now? Like you just, oh, I gotta go work. I gotta go work. I gotta go work. He's like, I'm still working on stuff to keep myself from going crazy where I'm just like, all right, I'm doing zoom podcasts and I'm working on this material. And I'm like, I'm just trying not to go insane right now. So are you building a new special? I, I, I bet you are. This is what all the artists <laughs> do. You can't not. I mean, look what's going on. How do you not build a new special from this? You said it yourself with humor. Yeah. There's it's so much to cathartic. talk about right now. It is. It's so healing. It's so cathartic. Like, I yep. feel like, you know, people lean on humor in times like these. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully what it will do is lessen that can the cancel culture that we were in before where it's like, no, you guys, do you understand the value of humor now and why we have to hold up a mirror to society and be able to talk about these things and be able openly. to joke about these things openly? Because that's our, our job is to sit perched and look at the world and then take a mirror to you and be like, isn't this ridiculous? But the fact that so many people were kind of getting canceled for even pointing out little things that they yeah. found ridiculous and it's and canceled for bigger reasons. Like there were, there were justifiable reasons that people got in trouble, but there was also a lot more of people complaining on a smaller level that just like on a lower level, like people were complaining at comedy clubs and getting butt hurt and walking out and not wanting to pay their bill. And, and it just, it, it got so much and huh. colleges were hard to perform at. So I'm like hoping that everything will pull back and be like, yeah, guys, humor is so essential to our healing process in general to be able to look at this and laugh yeah i mean what kind of cheap bastard is like i'm not paying for my comedy oh, club yeah, bill because i was offended people, <laughs> the amount of people that had police called on them because at comedy clubs because they did not want to pay their bill because they were offended at something you're saying more than five. Oh yeah without a doubt without a doubt more than five without a doubt more than five people walking and, it and they drank their drinks right yeah, they, they, totally. they, all right and they were just pissed and they wanted money back or they wanted this because somebody said something offensive. And it's like, yeah, freedom of speech is a real pain in the butt when somebody says something you don't agree with, huh? Yeah, this is, walking into a comedy club is a trigger warning. That's yeah, it. Like, there it you go. Don't it's come like, in. Not everybody, you're not going to agree with everybody's stance on stuff here, so. Right, you know. exactly. And that's that's the only thing that people are missing. Is that and I'm not talking about the purposely. There are some people that were purposely divisive and shocking. Not those oh. comics. Those comics set out the intention for you to storm out. Right. That's an Andy Kaufman thing. That's yeah. a shock value thing. Yeah. Whereas people are just saying, no, I'm offended by this. Yeah, you and gave me an alternative opinion and I didn't like it. Right. And I think that you guys are really the last bastion of uh, free speech, you know, stand up. Stand up is one of the last places where someone can go on stage and you still have some Teflon. Yeah. And you can say what you need to say that people need to hear. Yeah. The problem is people don't want to hear what they need to hear. They want to hear what they want to hear. Which well, is... that's over now because now they're hearing what they need to hear. It's yeah. Not, it's not going to change anytime soon. I don't the one see silver lining about these things is like, oh, no, now you're going to face it. So whether you not, like it or not. Exactly. Right. And you know, a good way to face it with some humor is watch your new special. Hey, segue. Right? Flores. Yes. Is that, how's that? Is that not watch. good? Am I good? Right. Jason. Uh, good. Hey, I, I, got a, I got a little, uh, I got a little promo. If you guys want to watch it. Little. Oh, yeah. Oh, Do I that. ever. All right. Hold Hell on. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to go away now. I just came in for a second. Hi. 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 Jason, Gina, we're going to watch the promo now for her new special. The oh, Flores gosh. Lava. I get to watch yeah. myself. This is torturous. I know. I know. It's awesome. Are you guys in a safe space for some jokes? First white guy I dated was years ago. He took me to his parents' lake house. And I was like, because that's when I found out white people buy houses that they don't live in. I got duped by a lot of those dating apps because someone taught guys about high angles and filters. I don't look like how I'm supposed to look. You don't look like how you're supposed to look. How are we going to find each other at this restaurant? Oh, memories. Right, right. It's like that whole thing's over for you now. I know. The, the night that it was, I mean, when we finished, when we wrapped that night, I mean, there was this beautiful moment. It was probably one of my favorite parts of the night. There were so many epic parts of the night, but like one of my favorite parts of the night was, you know, after the show, we were all looking for a place to go eat. We were all starving. I'm always hungry. We were always. Me too. <laughs> and so we found this little uh, Mexican, like, um, 
this little Mexican spot uptown and they were kind enough to let us in. It was like 20 of us. It was like me and so many people that were involved in the special, my husband, my manager and um, my friends. And, and it was, it was so amazing. And we sat at this table and we had them put on Spotify. I think somebody said Mariah Carey radio. Cause I'm a huge Mariah fan. Yeah. So somebody told them to put on Mariah Carey radio on Pandora or something. And we're sitting there singing along to every song that's coming on. And it was this epic moment of the night where it's just, I got to thank everybody for coming out and for helping with the special. These people that were so intricately involved in the special itself. And so, and the closest people to me. And it was just like this great moment where we're sitting there singing along and eating tacos and just having this celebratory moment. And I remember taking a pause and just looking at this long table of people and, and taking this like breath where it just, I was like, it's done. It's done. Yes. And I think what's important to mention here and tell me if this is correct is that a lot of people don't realize you're putting to, to, to you're burying, you're putting to yeah. death. It's a morning of material. You will not do this material again. That's what yeah. happens, right? The material is pretty much like I, I may throw it in on the road depending on, you know, where I'm at, but really once it's out there, it's like, if you want to see it, it's out there to see yeah, you've got to go back I, and you've got to see it. So a live yes. show is going to be different, you know, cause I have to work on the next thing. Like that's, that's done. All that buildup in the five months was me doing that material nonstop. Working it out, figuring it out, cutting things, exactly. adding things, but, and it's the exact opposite. You guys are so much like rock stars and so different in the way that, you know, you're on stage, you're performing to all these people, yeah. you get this shock from the audience, it comes in, you know, but the difference being musicians, they make an album, they work on it, they put it out, then they tour on it. Yeah. You guys work on it, work on it, work on it, put it out and walk away from it. By the time you see it, it's already been toured with. That's what people don't get. It's like, I've already right. toured for a year with this material or X amount of time with this material so that it was ready to be filmed. So now once it's done, if I've prepared accordingly, whatever didn't make it into this special, now get I get to work on for the next special and build upon that. And right. that's the cycle of work. So it, it is a morning. It is like... Oh, that's a done. A morning. Yeah, a morning for the work that's done, for the yep. for everything. Like you look at your specials and it's always like that with me. I look at a special and I'm like, Whew. All right, on to the next thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's what you are. Okay, last question. Favorite Mariah Carey song? Oh my goodness. Do I have to choose just one? You have to choose um, one. Oh I have to choose one. Oh, it's so not give, give me top two. Top two. Okay, top, top two. two. Top two favorite yeah. Mariah Carey songs. Um one is called Music Box. It was one that me and my oh, sister used to Box. sing with each other. Oh, my God, I love that song. Um, Great such song. a beautiful song. Um, if I had to pick another one, it would be a cover that she did mm -hmm. of I Can't Live If Living Is Without You. Like, I can't. Oh, that's, that's the title okay. song. Like, that's, a, that's, that's one that even though it, like, when I hear it, I'm like, <laughs> I think, you know what it is? I think I broke up with, like, my eighth grade boyfriend of that song. <laughs> oh, so it just stayed right in. It got right it in. Just, I, was like, I can't live. <laughs> so I just right there. Living with without you. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Gina Brion, The Floor is Lava, Amazon Prime, June 5th. Yes. Watch it. Check her out. And if you go see her after you see her special, don't expect to see the stuff you just watch. Yeah, Gina, don't. where can we find you on social media? Tell everybody. Um, you guys can find me at Gbrione on Instagram. The website is ginabrione.com or .net because ballin'. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can check out my special uh, Easily Offended on HBO. Definitely check out The Floor is Lava on Amazon when it drops. Um, so funny. I'm on Cameo. I have a podcast myself called Mess in Progress. Uh, we're on Patreon, so definitely check us out. Mess in Progress, it's out now on all the podcast platforms. So, Congratulations on all the success. Well, well earned and deserved. And thank you for being here today, Gina. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Bye, Gina. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Thank you. I mean, it's like I love talking to people like Gina because it's just you, you start to see the connection between her material and the life. And mm -hmm. then you also start to see, especially when they're as open as as an artist as Gina, you start to see the uh, the connection between all these other great artists that we talk to on the Cliff Dorfman show. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was 
shameless self-promotion, but it's true. Oh, you mean the Cliff Dorfman <laughs> show um, on Severance Audio? Uh, new yes. episodes released every Wednesday? Uh, yes, yeah, yes. And okay, I'll well, just make have, it on Starburns Audio. Sherman coming up. Com. Yep. We have Sherman coming up, and then uh, Sherman Augustus, right? right, And, and he's going to be doing the new season of uh, Stranger Things, and then we have a very big person that we're working on locking down now, which oh, yeah. we can't we'll talk, talk about, about yet. Yes, But my point being on the Cliff Dorfman show, we have these long-form interviews, but it's great. Like When I talk to her, I can have what it feels like the mini version of that long-form interview, and now I feel like you're still obsessed with that cowlick. <laughs> Jason keeps rubbing his cowlick in his beard like Arquette was last week. Yep. I, I was inspired. I'm inspired. As soon as I can, uh, yeah. I can uh, get out to a place where I can get those shirts uh, that uh, I saw David in last time we we got to t- talk to him. I'm in. I'm there. I'm. I, I'll break quarantine if I can find a shirt place like that. I'll go to a shirt outlet. <laughs> Did you feel like the shirt that Davey was wearing on that episode was the same, was bought at the same place that the shirt that Brandon Smith was wearing on his episode? <laughs> I think so. You know, the only reason I couldn't tell for sure is because Brandon had his, had his toe wide open. I wasn't sure if he was wearing a shirt or just his chest and his chest was wearing a little bit of a, you know, a tank top. <laughs> his chest was wearing a tank top. No, no, no. He was open. There was no tank at all. It was just like straight ripped, like, you know, seven, six percent body fat. All right. Let's 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 not talk about other males body fat and let's talk about a little about Jeannie. You haven't seen the special, right? No, the the special. Well, the special will um, be around by the time this goes on to our podcast tomorrow. Um, But for all us on the live side of things, um, I got a chance to see a little sneak preview of it, but uh, I haven't seen the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very funny. So, you know, what sucks about the sneak thing is that now I can't go watch it because I already saw it. Yeah. Like, like there would be something I'd be looking forward to watch. Now it's over. All right. Yeah. And she found, I, by the way, she talks earlier on. She's like, she, she likes white guys. That's it. You know, she married one. She's like, I, thing. I don't know. That's what I want. You know, I was thinking about it. I was like, married somebody from the Midwest. I think it'd be fine probably. But the minute they called the soda pop, I would have to leave. I can't, I can't deal with people that call the soda pop. You want a pop, uh, babe? No, I, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry. This has been great, but I got to leave. I'm going to go get a soda with, uh, with someone else. Like, so if someone comes into the Starburns lounge, which I can't wait to go back into, but if someone comes into the Starburns lounge and they're like, uh, you want a drink? Cause it's a very nice setup there. There's a yeah. bar, but like, you want to drink a soda? Yeah, sure. I'll take a pop. Yeah, nope. That's it. There's like no, no show. No. And if they call it Coke also, the meeting's over. Coke, yeah. Yeah. If they call it a Coke and then say, I'd like a Coke and make it a Sprite, you know, I'm like, those are the things I can't deal with. Just call the soda soda. Don't call the soda pop. It just freaks me out. It freaks me out a little bit. I don't get it. Okay. Listen, I, I, everyone. We got our thing. thing. We got our thing. That's, right. that's about it. Take okay. it, you know, right. do whatever. Step on my heart, you know, <laughs> break it. But just don't call the soda pop. I can't get, that's, that's, that's a bridge too far. I want to let you keep going on this. <laughs> no, no. The, if we get into a rant of all the things, the, all the little things that make me crazy, because the big things don't affect me. It's the little things that always make me nuts. I'm a very no, the big I, things yeah. affect you. Like, my, I, I mean, and this has happened in my life before. My, my, you know, I've had You're a, not alone, Jason. <laughs> I've had a girlfriend that uh, crashed the car. I've had, you know, big things happen. You know, and it's always like, let's just take care of it. It's a big deal. Call the soda pop. It's over. I, I just it's the little <laughs> things that make me nuts. Listen, I, I get it. Uh, I, I once was dating someone and really like the person you know and you, you're progressing into the relationship and, and then you know i was like come sleep over and the first time she slept over you know it was normal and then you know the second time it's like oh can i bring my dog you know my little dog and i'm like okay you know you know there's animals around my house yeah. there's back in another place where i'm like sure she brings the dog she brings the staircase for the dog to get on which the bed. has to be the sta- to get on the bed she brings like the the castle for the dog and then the dog is now, you know, a part of the entire situation. I'm like, this is not going to work long term for me. That's way this more like that's yeah. way more than like just leaving the secret toothbrush. Like, oh, I got to come over and pick up my dog castle. You I know, mean, are you oh, kidding me? I left my, you know, I left my dog's pee pads there. Can I come over? Uh, no, no, I'm going to leave him with the concierge. <laughs> I was leaving them with. The- Oh, that's so funny. That's what I'm doing. Uh, okay, so I don't know why I brought that up, but right. I, I do think there's a lifestyle thing that people have to mesh. Why did we start talking about that? Because of oh, pop. 
It's cause I, cause I, cause I'm a big, like, cause I said, I don't, I don't care about the, I don't sweat the big stuff. I, I, but I do sweat the little stuff. Oh, speaking of big shout out to my mom. This is my, my birthday, my birthday present for my mom, my wild aloof rebel shirt. Is that personal? Is that a brand? What's no, that's going a on reference that? to, uh, Schitt's Creek. She watched all the Schitt's Creek and that was, a that was a, that was a term. Oh, your mom's the best. Linda, you're, you're the best. Wait, how did I do to do better with color? Oh, you were awesome. Absolutely, hundred percent. I was going to text you in the middle, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to like jinx the, the the picture when he's in the middle of the no hitter, right? But okay, wait. So I'm going to read this. So Nancy just wrote, "My friend in Mass asked me when I was visiting if I wanted to pop oh, with the accent. I couldn't understand her. I said what about three times? She pointed at it. I felt stupid. Yeah, she just said soda. <laughs> she just said soda. Yeah, even even yeah. even a Boston uh, ma- uh, like a Masshole can say soda without fucking it up. Pop, I get it. F on a pop, pop, That's what everybody sounds on the East Coast to me. Just like pop, I can't do accents either. I grew up. First of all, I grew up on the East Coast, and I would say that pop is strictly something else. Second thing I would say is that it's what I would say is more East Coast is like my cousin Vinny. Like, oh, yeah. uh, like, yeah, Jan, the two youths. The I'm two youths. What did you say? You say youths? Yeah, youths. <laughs> yeah, two youths. Youths? Yeah, the two youths. <laughs> they were driving the car. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you approach the bench, please? Fred <laughs> Gwynn, rest his soul. Oh, oh my cute. God. Herman Munster. What a great scene. I was just Have watching. I was actually recently? watching something on Twitter with uh, Herman Munster on it. Um, that huh. guy talking about, like, uh, accepting people because they're different and no matter what they look like and all that stuff. And it was like a really great little scene out of the monsters. Um, I just caught it on Twitter as something's kind of passed around about stuff today. Uh, very poignant, poignant with the monsters poignant today. Well, I think, you know, what the Munsters, even though it was a hit and a cult classic afterwards, it was off the air. I think a lot of what was missed was the metaphor that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a family like it's normal that they live on the street, but they're very different. And, you know, you might not agree with anything they do, right. but they're nice people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, they have a crawling hand and a weird cousin with a lot of hair. That's, that's you the, know, that's the nice. Adam's family. The Adam's family. I know. As I was saying it, I heard. <laughs> it's all good. They have a wolf boy and a, and a, Cut and me a, off. And <laughs> I just want to, I just want to uh, that's, <laughs> I still think still that's, Adam's uh, family? Yeah. that's the problem with the monsters. They had the better song, I think, but, uh, uh, so who was on they, the Munsters? Lurch? No. Well, they had the Frankenstein dad was the guy you're talking about, but they didn't have yeah. a Lurch. Lurch was the, the, the thing. And then the mom was a, was kind of a, a bride of Frankenstein. And then the son was a wolf boy. And I think the daughter kind of looked normal, but was like a serial killer looking. They right, were on it was like a Wednesday. On, who, who came first? The Munsters when, or the Adams family? Question. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Could, we, could you look that up? Because now I'm curious who ripped off who. Because I feel like it's the exact same show. Except, you know, they're like, oh, we'll do the supernatural version of the Frankenstein version. Or we'll yeah. do the Frankenstein version of the supernatural version. One of the two. Because now it feels very Which similar. Which came first? Okay, so mm-hmm. here is the answers. Which came first? Answer question. We have to go back to eight. Jesus, nobody wants to make it easy on me. I guess Why? Why? the Adams Family was technically first because they were a cartoon one-off. Um <laughs> And then the Munsters, well, and brought, you could say the Munsters origins be in 1931. So technically the Munsters are first. Uh, uh, wow, this is this this is a lot just to get to we the place. questions here. It's stuck at home. Technically the Munsters questions. Came first. What came first, the Munsters or the Adams family? And you know what? You get the hard answers here too. The Munsters came first. Adams family ripped off the Munsters. Yeah. And you know what? Probably did it better because everything I remember is I watched them both. Everything I remember is from the Adams family. Me too. Um, and then, but on TV, so here's the other part. The Munsters technically came first, but the, the, um, Munster, the Adams family de- debuted first, even though the, the uh, Munsters was taped first. And they came out within a week of each other. So oh, the Adams yeah, family so debuted on September 18th, 1964. The Munsters followed on September 24th, 1964. Okay, so I'll tell you right now, I want to do the movie of that of the Munsters and the Adams family getting made at the same time in the thirties in TV during the depression the, 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 while they're building the empire state building, right? No, this, well, the, 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 the shows were in the sixties, uh, the, they were invented. So in what the, was the thirties then you said the, the comics, there were comics and like there were comics. of these things. Oh, okay. 
okay, I didn't hear that because I'm too busy cutting you off. <laughs> no, well, I so would think you, you, probably, you didn't cut me off. You're probably just thinking of what to say next. So that's okay. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you. But, uh, no, no, I cut you off. So, so um, that is actually very interesting. So they had the comics come out in the 30s during the Depression. Then mm -hmm. 30 years later, they decide they're going to make both of these at the same time. They were both comics is what you're saying. Yeah, they were both like, and I don't even know if they're like comics, comics so much as like Saturday, Sunday morning. I'd have to read a little bit more into here and really get into mm -hmm. the article. It's pretty long. Um, it's on the there's a race. Yeah, I, I, I'll ask. Uh, maybe Scott. I could ask uh, Scott to read it to me because it's a uh, it is a decider article. Um, <laughs> like audio audio articles. And I could get through. It should it. be a new business audio. Articles. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we know you don't want to read anything, no. so. The decider is now offering audio decider every day. Yeah. Cliff and Jason read everything on the decider to you. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Just, just read it all. Patreon. To me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a fetish. we have about ten minutes left for the first time in a long time. Do you do you have any content you want to talk about today? I have all kinds of things I want to talk about. Um, okay, so what I want to talk about first is I'm a little sad that there is no content. Like, yeah. what is there? Uh, okay, so really, tell me what you're watching. Because I'll tell you what's going on with me, and I'm a little I mean, I, I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching a lot of Fox 11 these days, but um, on, uh, you oh, know. You're I, a news guy. Well, I'm not. Well, I've tried not to be, but this has been a little bit different, just making sure. and seeing. Well, there's actually some pretty inspirational stuff going on. My daughter and I watched 13th, um, and, uh, which was very powerful. So we watched that together. Um, and amazing. then. I feel like I feel like I watched something else. I just oh, I've watched uh, the what I watched uh, what we do in shadows, of course. Um, so yeah, okay, so that's that's where it's over. That was the season finale, right? Was that the season finale? Please don't tell me that was. was it, I I thought it was, but hopefully it's not. That was the eighth episode. I didn't think they made more than eight. Um, oh, please, please tell me there's two more coming up. This I hope yeah, so. That would be, yes. Oh, yeah, let's see. Wow. Let me just make huzzah. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. That, that was it. Was a very funny episode, and don't get me wrong. But I want to. I I need this. Uh, this whole part of it that's going along with uh, um, him becoming a vampire, him becoming a vampire or a vampire hunter, to not just end right yet. It it seems like there there needs to be more. Okay, so we'll talk while you look and see if it's the last one or not. Uh, we could take a minute and we'll talk about that. But before, actually, okay, so let's keep us on track, Jason. I want to okay. get to the eighth episode of. Mm -hmm what we do in the shadows, but I want to go back for a second to 13th. So okay. you, after we had Mike and Jack on, you yeah. went with Sarah, your daughter, mm -hmm. and you sat down together, which we've discussed on this show many times. You don't do that often unless it's a project runway show that you have yeah. to watch. Yeah. We're currently watching legendary that way where I'm being forced, <laughs> which exactly. is about underground ballroom, which uh, I still don't understand how anybody wins. We can get that on that a different day. Well, I, I'm, I am game for that, okay? I am game for talking about Legendary, but I want to stick to this for a second. Mm -hmm. You go to her, because she's not watching the show. So you go to her, you tell her, I want to watch this thing 13th, came um, up on the show. It was a little bit of a, you know, there has been a very healthy um, interest in civics through all this with Sarah. Um, she got very, mm -hmm. you know, she's very involved, and she's seen a lot of the stuff on Twitter and Facebook, and um, this has encouraged her to really get, uh, you know, vocal and find her voice when it comes to this 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 situation and she's you know first it started with her just fighting with different people on uh facebook not people that she necessarily knew but maybe her mom's friends or my friends i don't i've hidden all the people that or blocked all the people that uh, i disagree with so it's probably not my friends but stephanie mm -hmm. and, uh, and sarah found some people back uh back home back from uh uh P, you know philadelphia or not philadelphia but from pennsylvania uh so there's a little bit of that to start but um you know, and then and then finding the stuff, and you know, and just as she's recognizing all this stuff and really understanding, you know, her place. But she hadn't seen Thirteenth. No, she hadn't, and and it was something that was recommended by school, and we were looking for some things to watch together. But uh, she recommended it, and we watched it. We, you know, we watched a, you know, we watched a episode of Legendary. We're also playing a video game together, a, a Batman kind of choose your own adventure video game. And we said, okay, let's put that stuff down and watch, let's watch Thirteenth. Um, and uh, and she start to finish. I mean, sad, and it's. It's definitely Talk about it a little. Well, it's it's an exploration of the prison system and the history of the prison system in the United States, kind of starting with, you know, the end of slavery and talking about, you know, some of the stuff we talked about yesterday, uh, you know, specifically around like 
you know, this is an economy when you, you know, in the, 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 the kind of the thing in the third, you know, in the 13th amendment about, uh, slavery ending is also that unless you're incarcerated, it, it basically has that in the, as part of it. Yes. So slavery is not legal unless you're incarcerated. And so incarcerated, uh, you know, kind of brought that stuff in there. And so that it goes to there. It talked a lot about, uh, the resurgence of the KKK, uh, uh, after uh, Birth of a Nation, and she didn't realize there were two Birth of a Nation movies. There was that more recent documentary that's, uh, yes. you know, out called Birth of a Nation, but is not in any way affiliated with that old, the, the, original the original version. Yes. Super racist, and and so that was a big thing. And then you know the discussions around privatizing prisons, the you know the chain gang stuff, all that, and and it's really, you know, heavy stuff. But and it it doesn't have a great ending because it's not you know when we talk about all this stuff, yeah you know it's not ending you know when we talk about right. uh ju and just mercy is another one that is really great uh, bryce has brought up uh that's also available free right now to stream um just mercy. Uh, yeah that's the one with jamie fox mm. um okay, and, i'll have to watch that then that'll be and, my thing tonight just mercy. Jamie fox and uh the guy you were talking about yesterday i always lose names uh the, uh from Black Panther and Creed and for oh, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. So that's Michael B. Jordan and David Fox. That's a really great one, but it was really, you know, it was interesting to watch, you know, and it, one of the things Oh, that's gotta be great. Sorry to answer. I am yeah. interrupting on purpose. That's got, that was that on Apple TV plus I, it's free everywhere to stream right now. You can get it for free. So they're doing it for the whole month. You can get it for free. Oh, okay. I'm watching that tonight. That yeah. that's just a great yeah. book and movie. Okay. Yeah. So great. Go on. Sorry. Oh, but, and, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the statistics they put out there and, you know, we have 5% of the world's population in the United States and 24% of its, 24% uh, of the jailed population to just kind of show you the discrepancy between. Say that again. 5% of the, we have 5% of the world's population in the United States. So five, you know, you have a 5% chance of being American in a statistical survey right. but we have 24 percent of the world's prison population so out of five percent of the population we are the most imprisoned society oh, by population far. by far right. we have one in four prisoners are in the united states right now so this is a thesis that has been made factually now mm -hmm. right so i actually do me a favor i, I don't want to use this correctly okay will you do me a favor just and look up the word thesis mm -hmm. right this documentary is presented these facts these facts are that that the prison system is now slavery. And so we just moved it over to this, you know, globally corporate, you know, yep. uh, you know, acceptable, you know, not acceptable way, right? Oh no, there's no more slavery. Now we'll just arrest people and we'll put them in small. So we know the system, yep. right? We're recognizing yep. the corruption in the system. This is really, yes. really great that you and your daughter, who's 16, by the way, she's like a prodigy. I mean, she's on what the, the chef show when she's a kid. Now she, it's like, the, it's amazing how smart she is. She also thinks she's funnier than me. Um, she was at the protest the other day with the signs and the mask. It's like, yeah, uh, there's nothing she's not doing. Yeah, she's a badass. That Just, being said, you guys, again, this was knowledge. Yep. So. We sat down and th for that, and that was great. You know, we we did go and protest yesterday um, together, yeah. and it was great. And we got to go down and really be there. You know, if you want to talk about a white privilege thing, it's being able to go down, get your car there, get a get there a little early, so you have your waters, get your space, and then be able to head Wait out to the cops. Yeah, you know, head out a little bit early because I had to get back and do a show. <laughs> you know, she wanted she would have stayed all day. She wanted to go back. She you know you know every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it was, it was really good to just see her out there really feeling like she's, you know, participating in the, in, on the right side of all this stuff. Well, it seems like, you know, and again, you're doing what we all are supposed to be doing. You're educating yourself and you're furthering the discussion, right? And yeah, that's, absolutely. and we lift up anyone we can. That's, absolutely. that's what we, there's no other questions nope. and that's, you know, very simple. So now, great, by the way. That was very well done. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm saying, like, great for Sarah, too. Uh, I want to talk now about what we do in the shadows, because eighth episode, right? So It was the night. So, okay. Wait, is it over? Did you find it, out? It doesn't look like it. It looks like that was the ninth episode, and we have one more. It's okay. going to be a ten-episode season. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, because there's never nine. It's very yeah. weird. Yeah. Okay, so we have one more at least. I mean, yeah, I got to see what's going to happen. I'm going to be very sad that it's over. I'm glad it's not, but... This new episode, I mean, I don't even get, what is that guy from who plays uh, the English vampire? 
Na- the, Do oh, I don't know what he's from. I let me look because I don't he's recognize the best voice I've ever heard. He reminds me of somebody I work with uh, named Simon, who I love very much. And so every time I see uh-huh. him, I, I see Simon. Uh, but I know that's not <laughs> the right person. That- let me see if I can figure it out. What's great about that show, and, and again, if you haven't seen what we do in the shadows, the series, and I was late to the party, so I, I had the beauteous experience of being able to, uh, you know, binge the whole first and, and half of the second season by the time I caught up. Uh, it, it's just perfect, nonsensical, nothing to do with anything comedy. Just f- fantastic. It's so, awesome. Oh, by the way, that guy, that yeah, yeah, his name's Matt Berry. Um, very uh he's an english actor he's been on it was in the it crowd uh something oh. called garth Magie's dark place he's on the mighty boosh Snuffbox, the wrong door and house of fools right the it crowd that's where i saw him okay yeah. i mean yeah I, I think do you have a favorite vampire by the way do you have um, a favorite character i i i i'm I feel very, I, I mean, I love, uh, oh, now I lost his name, but I love the energy vampire. I think that he, he just kills me. Simon, uh, is that his yeah. name? Yeah. Okay. So I think what they did in this episode, which is kind of why I thought it was the season finale, you know, they were leaving the, the hanging, sort of, they left the cliffhanger aspect of what this guy's going to do. He gets promised now that he's going to definitely become a vampire. Right. Right. That's a big deal. Right. But he didn't say when. Nope. He never said when. But that was two episodes ago. That was two episodes ago. Yeah. So wait, so you're saying I'm an episode behind? You didn't watch The Witches, did you? No. That was last night. I haven't. The Witches. Oh, this is great news. Yeah, there's there's an episode right out. We you know what we have to go anyway. You go watch what we do in Shadow. Shoot. Okay, I'm going to do and that. And then we'll talk and about it because that was a great episode. Mercy. So I can understand why you thought that one was the end. No, there's a very funny episode that comes out, though. It's called The Witches. Oh, I can't wait. And it's out of control. Okay, so then we will be back for a new episode the next time. How's that? Thank you for being here, guys. Uh, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, everybody take care of each other. Have a wonderful night. See you the next time. A podcast network.